Welcome. Mad Hatter Industries presents the Ruck and Rise podcast. We're your hosts, Allie and Dave Curvin. We're here helping others rise out of their comfort zones, facing adversities head on while providing a safe space to have open, honest, difficult conversations in order to keep pushing forward. Join us as we chat about fitness, mental health, and developing positive mindset. Disclaimer, we do not claim to be mental health professionals. If you or someone you love is struggling, we encourage you to contact the CMHA, the Canadian Mental Health Association, at 1-833-456-4566. All right, welcome back to another episode of the Rock and Rise podcast, uh, episode nine. And today we have a, a very special guest, Julia Shelley. Um, who has a very extensive background, and I decided, because this is sort of last minute, I didn't do a big bio about Shel- uh, Julia. I thought she could kind of do a little intro for herself. Sorry to put you on the spot, Julia. Um, but yeah, because we're going to have a lot of conversation and learn a lot about you just through our discussion, so I figured we didn't need to spend a ton of time kind of going over your history and point form because we're going to talk all about it. So welcome. Good. Thank you. Thanks for having me. You're welcome. So excited that you're here. Um, I guess one of the first questions I have, so have you always had a passion for traveling? Yes. Um, as well, from teenage years on, I guess. Yeah. So, uh, I hadn't traveled before, so I had never traveled as a kid or anything. Our family, uh, we just didn't have, didn't have the money to, so I had never been on an airplane, uh, never even left Ontario. And I think I think the furthest our family had ever gone is maybe Hamilton, Guelph to Hamilton. We <laughs> <laughs> stayed pretty close Big to trip. home. Yeah. Pretty close to home, like Hamilton or Toronto. We had family in both. Um, but yeah, we didn't really travel much. And uh, so I was just always curious. I just wanted yeah. to see the world. And growing up in Guelph, I was just, it's bigger now, but it was pretty small back then. You know, I think under, under 90,000 population. And so I was just, I don't know. I was just curious and wanted to see what else was out there. So where was the first place that you traveled to? Um, it like was, on an airplane. Yeah. on it. I was to Vancouver um, when I was 19 for my first interview as a flight attendant. Wow. Yeah. Cool. So my first time on a plane was for the interview. And <laughs> zero experience. I didn't even know if I would be sick, if, I, how I'd react to turbulence, if I'd like flying. Um, and I had a connection in Vancouver at the, the airline I was applying for. And I didn't, I, I had, I did have a connection in Toronto, but it was bigger and it was harder to get in. And so I heard from the Vancouver office first. So I actually bought a one-way ticket because I couldn't afford the two-way ticket. <laughs> so- Sounds about right. <laughs> so for my first time on a plane, I'm like, well, I'll just buy a one-way ticket and I'm sure I'll get the job and then I'll figure out how to live thereafter, not That's... realizing how expensive Vancouver is. So I was, yes. it was not well thought out. Um, I had friends to stay with in the meantime. So that yeah. has been there. Yeah. <laughs> so, it, yeah, it all worked out. So did you kind of feel like becoming a flight attendant was a really good way to kind of do the traveling that you wanted to do? Is that kind of what led you into it? Yes. And I thought there was, well, there was no other way. Cause I just didn't, like I said, I could, I could only afford the one-way tickets. So yeah, <laughs> like, exactly. Oh, how, am I, how am I ever going to see the world if all I have is like, you know, $300? <laughs> so I was like, how can I 
get somebody to pay me to see the world. And exactly. What I did. <laughs> so. Yeah. And it led into a pretty interesting career. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And can you share with us a little bit about that? Yeah, I'm super intrigued too, yeah. especially the, the UN aspect of it and all yeah. the uh, all the places that you've traveled to. Yeah, tell us a little <laughs> bit about that. Okay, well, um, well, it started there when I was 19 uh, with Vancouver, and then I actually I didn't get that job, so <laughs> so then I oh. was I was in a jam, <laughs> and I had to get myself home. So my granddad helped me get home. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Good to have family. Yeah, good thing. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, granddad got me home and that I had a second interview in, in Toronto and I got that one. So okay. that worked out. So the the Vancouver interview ended up being kind of practice for the Toronto one. I got that. That was my first airline. That was Canada 3000. So yeah. back in the day, this yeah. is pre-9-11. I remember, yeah. 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 Oh, yeah. <laughs> they were amazing. They were amazing. Um really good experience to start there. So I was with them from, I think I got hired on Valentine's day, 2001. I remember that. Wow. And <laughs> April fools was the first flight. I remember that too. Cause I was really worried cause it was April fools. And I'm like, someone's going to like play a prank on me for sure. <laughs> and um, let's see, I was there, I think nine months until nine 11 was mm -hmm. around that or yeah, eight months yeah. or so. And then, of course, we know what happened there. Um, and then many airlines start to struggle and go bankrupt as well. So uh, so that time with that airline was, was short-lived. It was good experiences, but short-lived. So they folded right after, right mm -hmm. after 9-11. And I was only 19. And I remember thinking, like, I was kind of scared. Of course, I hadn't traveled before that. And I remember thinking, like, do I want do I still want this career like with this kind of a risk? Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, I, I wasn't done. I still still wanted to see the world. It didn't stop me. So I started applying elsewhere. And then I moved on to uh, another airline called Sky Service. They're, they were out of Toronto as well. So oh. I was with them. They actually took over the office of the, the first airline I was at. So oh. that was easy transition. <laughs> and uh, I was with them for another... I think eight years or so, then moved to the Middle East, um, started to branch out and wanted to see more of the world, moved to Abu Dhabi in 2008. So I did 2008 and nine living in Abu Dhabi, working for their national carrier, Etihad. Um, saw a lot of Asia, Australia, a little bit of Africa, um, but I was curious to see more. So then I came home from there, went back to college, actually, with the idea of being uh, RCMP. So I went back to school for policing. Okay. And then fell kind of backwards back into aviation while I was applying to be RCMP. So I was going through with the process, with the application process, when a pilot friend of mine uh, reached out to me and said, um, I've got this position I think you'd be perfect for. Would you consider coming over um, overseas? It'd be working for the UN in Africa. And I was like, Wow. Sounds good. Yeah. yeah. Oh, what an opportunity. That's amazing. Yeah. 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 And that's, I mean, that's quite an extensive uh, process, RCMP side, even like mm -hmm. going through that whole process. So um, I can just imagine, um, you know, having opportunity to continue to travel and then also mm -hmm. be, you know, yeah, overseas pitching with UN. It, yeah. It must, must have been amazing. <laughs> yeah. It just seemed really, um, 
ultimately the adventure that I still wanted. I wanted to go the RCMP route, but what I wanted there was to eventually go over to the UN and do UN policing or be in like a, the human tra trafficking department in Ottawa. So I had my sight on certain areas mm -hmm. that I would, that I wanted to do with the RCMP uh, and not necessarily move up North or like have no control over if I got a smaller base somewhere. And, and so I struggled a little bit with that. I knew that was part of the process, but I thought, Oh, my heart really wants to go overseas. Like I want it. I want them to give me the UN eventually liaison officer or something like that, but it's, you don't get that right away. So when this pilot told me, you know, there was a position available like this, I thought that's the fastest way I get to live out this adventure. So let's go. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. Wow. Yeah. And so you started UN in Africa, correct? No, I applied no. with that in mind. Uh, they surprised me. I thought I was going to Africa. And, okay. uh, and then right after the training, they said, how do you feel about Afghanistan? <laughs> <laughs> what? Okay. Yeah. Where? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> wow. Okay. So being new, you know, you don't want to say no. And at the same mm -hmm. time, I thought, okay, well, this will be some interesting experience. Not exactly what I was expecting, um, but sure, let's go. So we had three bases in Afghanistan at the time, Kandahar, Kabul, and Mazar. Mm -hmm. And so I didn't know much about any of them. And I didn't, I had a couple friends in the Canadian forces. So I thought, okay, well, the best thing I can do is, you know, research with them and ask them if, if any of them have deployed there. So I had one friend that had deployed in Kandahar as a military police. And so he told me a little bit about Kandahar and then he kind of warned me a little bit about Kabul. It was probably one of the more dangerous options. Uh, Kandahar would be second and then Mazar. <laughs> so I was like, okay, these are, and I didn't really get an option uh, of the three, but I just thought I'd do my research and just kind of find out ahead of time, like what to prepare for. And then, uh, so it turned out they asked me to go to Kandahar for the first year. And then I ended up in Mazar after that. So it worked out well. I was, I'll admit, I was a little nervous about Kabul just because of where they lived. It was, you had to drive uh, quite a ways from the airport to the Green Village. And the Green Village was, um, I, I forget, I, I don't know how long that drive was, but there were many attacks along the way. Mm -hmm. So, and we didn't have armed vehicles or anything. We were civilians. So we just kind of you know, take a, take some chances that way. So I thought, oh, I don't know how I feel about that. Um, so I felt I felt good with Kandahar, living inside yeah. the base. So. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Wow, wow. <laughs> so, and what what years what years were those? What, what year? Uh, was two thousand twelve and the beginning of uh, no, was it? Yeah, it was two thousand twelve and half of thirteen in Kandahar. Okay. And then the other half of 13 and 14, I think, in Mazar. Okay. It, was a, it was a year in each. Mm -hmm. Okay. Okay. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Exciting. And so following Afghanistan, then where was next for you? Uh, next was Mali uh, in, uh, in West Africa. Yeah. Mali is in West Africa. They actually, if you've heard of Timbuktu. Yeah. Yeah. It's well, <laughs> Yeah. Everyone has in some yeah. sense. Yeah. 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 So we were flying uh, the Swedish military into Timbuktu. Okay. So that was the next mission. And then the Dutch military into Gao. So uh, my year in Mazar, it was actually really special because my year in Mazar, my, my second year in Afghanistan, 
Mazar is in northern Afghanistan. And I uh, love that base. I absolutely love that base. Uh, but they were mostly uh, more European militaries on that base. And then in the south, in Kandahar, when I was there, it was mostly American. And so it was a different vibe. So when I got to Mazar the year there, uh, we actually worked for the Dutch military there. So I wasn't doing UN work at that time. UN was in Africa when I got there later. Um, So the year with the Dutch military was really special because I actually, for the first and probably only time in, I, I did this career for 11 years, I would say that year was the one year that I, genuinely felt like I was in the military, like I was part of them. Mm -hmm. They just welcomed us so much and they just, um, because we were civilian. So we wore, uh, normally we'd wear a flight, like like a white pilot shirt and and black trousers. That was the one base that they said, no, you're one of us. You need to wear a flight suit. You need to be like, look like us and everything, even though we're civilian. So they'd fly us in, we'd fly to Germany to Cologne, and then they'd bring us in on like military aircrafts. We'd be traveling the whole way into base with them. Um, we lived with them. So in their in their dorms and everything, and we did everything. We did all the events and all the social socializing and all the things that they would plan we would do together. So I really loved working with the, the Dutch military. So we spent that that year together. So when I moved to Africa next, and it was with the Dutch and, and Swedish. It was really special because it's like, it was the second war zone <laughs> with the same people. So I'd see them come in, it, was, it would be familiar faces. And I I just loved it. I loved that we had that closeness. So. Cool. Yeah. And are you still close with uh, a lot of those members? Quite a few, yeah. Well, we, we follow each other on you know Facebook and, and Instagram. Facebook, yeah. or I mean, Instagram wasn't so big back then, but right. we're all on my Facebook. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Excellent. Excellent. Yeah. And how about the local populace um, in Afghanistan? Were you, like, was it very welcoming for you or was it a challenge? Uh, well, we lived both times it was in the base. So, oh, so we were only on the base. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So in my case, I wasn't going into um, actual Afghanistan as often as some. We lived on a NATO base. Right. So, like, technically, I was in, like, just on the NATO base. So I, I don't even have, you know, an Afghan stamp in my passport, nothing like that. So you just okay. directly into base. Gotcha. Um, we did venture out a couple times, um, but not, it wasn't like the Kabul crew, the Kabul crew that would actually go out into uh, into Afghanistan all the time. In um, both Kandahar and Bazaar, though, we did have locals that did work within the base. So there were uh, every week there would be like an Afghan market they would put on. Mm -hmm. So they would have certain people would come in and they might like sell just little like artifacts from Afghanistan vases. So I have quite a few little trinkets from Afghanistan from them. So I'd meet, I'd meet some local people, but only the ones that could work inside base. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Wow. Mm -hmm. Uh, So how many would have been on your team at the time? It would have been, um, it was just one crew would be two pilots, two engineers, and a flight attendant. So, okay. Okay. yeah. Mm-hmm. Wow. And it was wow. usually the only woman. Usually there were some, uh, some female pilots that I worked with, but most often were 
greatly outnumbered in <laughs> that kind of work. Yeah, sure. Yeah. <laughs> I understand. Yeah. yeah. Mm. It's funny. I told Allie when we sat down here, I said, Oh, I'm just going to kind of, you know, I'll be in the background or whatever and I'll just let you now here I am just monopolizing the <laughs> questions. Yeah, <laughs> I'm just super interested in, yeah. Uh, yeah, a lot of that travel and a lot of where you ended up, uh, you know, in, in various places. So, but anyways, you <laughs> go ahead, Allie. Okay. <laughs> you got more questions, I'm sure. I have, yeah, I just thought of one. When you were away, did you find it a challenge to be away from home, like family, friends here, or did you stay in touch? And how did you stay in touch? And how did you kind of manage that? Uh, I did find, yeah, I found it a huge challenge. At first, it was okay, especially in Afghanistan. I actually really, really loved my tours. And I made such cl like close friends there that I would extend all the time. I stayed, ex like, I would extend even double tours sometimes, you know. Our tours were supposed to be two months. I think I, I tried, I did a few four-month tours in Afghanistan, and then when I got to Africa, um, I think the, the max I ever did was a nine month. Uh, and we're supposed to be off every two months, but they always ask you to extend. So, <laughs> so it usually works out to be much longer. Um, so it was hard when we would do long extended tours. And then it was extra hard if you wanted to make the most of your time off. So a lot of us would end up traveling on our time off. So if you did that, then you might not come home for like seven to eight, nine months or something like that. So that would extend it quite a bit, but it was also a really good way to see the world and make the most of it. So, um, so yeah, I, I just, I did that as much as I could. And I, you know, I kept in touch with my family often. We had lots of video calls, um, but you do start to get out of touch when you're traveling like that for so long, it starts to become such a, a regular part of your life that people actually kind of stop inviting you to things because they forget because you're just not around. Yeah. yeah. So there was a time, there was a big chunk of that time where I would come home and I was actually more lonely if I came home because people would forget about you. <laughs> they wouldn't like, they wouldn't invite you to anything because they just, they're not used to seeing you. Yeah. They thought you were gone or yeah. something, right. They weren't used to accepting yeah. that invitation. And so then all of a sudden you're home, but everybody's kind of doing right. their own thing and you're like, Oh, okay. Exactly. Exactly. So I was just, I, I felt like I was kind of just out of it with my friends and family at home. And then there was a little bit of the, as you can imagine, the things you see overseas, you're different you change. <laughs> yeah, we all do. And we didn't really want to, I know many of my friends overseas felt the same way. You didn't really want to stress out your family or your friends with certain things you might see or experience overseas. So we would really just become close with each other. So if there was somebody you needed to talk to about something that happened on base or a certain attacks or anything, we would talk to each other. So I became so close with people on the base, like either my crew or the Dutch military or whoever I was based with. Uh, I had really, really close friends on base. So it kind of starts to put a bit of a wedge between you and your family when you extend on so many tours for that long. So Yeah. And if they're coming or kind of expecting you to come home the same, whether they even realize, whether or not they even realize that that's what they're expecting. But when you come home after experiencing things different things like that, it is going to change you for sure. But if they're sort of expecting you to be 
the year that left before. And then if there's not a lot of talk about it, then everybody's just sort of left maybe a little confused feeling. Yeah, so, definitely. Yeah, and I'm sure for you too to have to experience that and then feel like you couldn't open up about it because you were trying to protect them from the stress of it, which makes total sense for mm -hmm. sure. Yeah. Yeah, you want to protect them and at the same time, um, you like you you start to adapt and get used to it, which is kind of messed up now that I'm out of it. I'm like, oh, okay. It's it was an adjustment coming home for sure. Mm -hmm. But there were times where I thought, oh, I can't tell people because the, if I told them what we see or do over there or the kind of danger that we can be in, not all the time, it's not always like that. There's been great tours where, you know, nothing happens. And then all of a sudden the next tour, you're like a reminder of where you live. Mm -hmm. <laughs> a really fast reminder. And when that happens, you'd want to tell people, but it was still, it made more sense to tell people you worked with because they understand but at the same time, because it's 50-50, it's like one tour would be chaos and then the other tour was awesome and we're going out and experiencing the local culture and everything. Um, I didn't really want to scare my family and I didn't want the pressure that if they knew about the dangerous tours that they would immediately go, you got to come home now. Yeah. And I didn't want that pressure from them. Yeah. So I chose not to tell them because I was like, no, like they're not going to get it. <laughs> so, yeah. 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 That makes sense. So at the time, I mean, it makes sense. You were fairly select with who you, um, you know, chose to be open with and, and have those discussions with. Do you find now that you're a little less select, like you're more open to maybe a, a broader sort of audience to have discussions with now? Yeah, definitely. I think that's what's been so nice about this community because, you know, we we met through the collective, essentially, right? Through, yeah. which is, I, I just, I don't even think of them as a podcast. I actually think of the collective as a big group of us that have now become friends on online, right? Yeah. And we're all, it's not just that podcast because it's a group that is all supporting each other. And your podcast is a part of that too, right? So it's just grown. I think that's the big goal. Yeah, <laughs> I, and I think that's the the all-round goal with uh, everyone involved, which is great. Yeah, I absolutely love it. And I, I, I'm really grateful because I would say that um, finding many of the people in this group has been kind of what helped me come home and what helped me transition. Because I, I came home just over a year ago, about almost a year and a half. And it was a real struggle. Like it was really hard. And there's even sometimes that it's still like certain things are kind of shocking, you know, but um, I would say that I have adjusted because of this group and I've felt supported because of this group, because being a civilian overseas, we're not, um, we're not military. Mm -hmm. We experience similar things like, on, on our deployments. We're not um, first responders, but again, very similar. And we fly many of the first responders and military. Those were my passengers. So we're usually based with them and we're living with them, but we don't have that um, the same kind of, I don't know if it was like the same kind of people watching out for us or expecting that we might experience trauma or any of the things that people know they experience. People know first responders and military, like, that's part of the job. But you wouldn't think that for like a crew, an, an airline crew, because while yes, we would and 
situations like 9-11, of course, but you wouldn't necessarily think that they're going to be going over to war zones, but you just, you never know. So it's kind of hard to explain my job to a lot of people. I'm like, mm -hmm. I'm, right. I'm a flight attendant, but it's not the flight attendant that you think. Like, I don't actually serve food. <laughs> you know, it's a way different thing. I check guns. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I. Yeah, I honestly think you're. I would say you're. You're safe to say you. You could include yourself in any one of those realms. Uh, military, you know, um, uh, UN, what, whatever you know, designation you want to put it in. Um, yeah. You're in there. You're. You know. You're. I would say you know, you're a family member of any one of those. Uh, well, so I feel whether I you that way. now. Good. I Good. I think it's because of the collective. I really owe it to them because I think it's because of all of us, this group that has been formed. I really feel that way because I didn't when I came home and that was the, that was where I felt most lost. When I first got home, I was, you know, dealing with a lot because I was like, where do I belong? Like there's yeah. nobody else here like that has been through that, that it's not common. Like, it's not like um, my group of people hang out at the Legion or, you know what I mean? Like there's mm -hmm. not a <laughs> of yeah. us. I was like, where are my people? <laughs> and then I found them. <laughs> exactly. Amazing. Yeah. yeah. Good stuff. Yeah. yeah. So so you came home about a year and a half ago, approximately. And how did you sort of decide to start your business, Army of Angels? Was it something you had been thinking about over the last few years and then you decided the timing was right? Or was it an idea that happened? After you got home, like, how can you walk us through kind of how Army of Angels became such an amazing thing? <laughs> Thanks. Thank you. Um, well, let's see. I The name I came up with um, probably a little bit before I came home as sort of a tribute to those years overseas. So I would say that the hard to really like narrow that one down, which I'm working on for the website. Um, I would say the Army of Angels is kind of a tribute to the people that I served with, essentially. We were all deployed yeah. together. And when, when you are on a mission together, the level of closeness that you have with somebody that you do these missions with, or, you know, you go through certain things with, um, is just different than I've experienced in, in most other relationships. And so, um, for instance, in uh, Mazar, I, I did some CrossFit competitions in Mazar, and I was really into that at the time. When I get on base, there, was, there, wasn't, um, uh, there wasn't any kind of hesitation to go up and talk to somebody because I saw another woman on base. Like if I saw another, especially like somebody that was really into the gym or really into these competitions or anything like that, if I saw, we were so rare that if I saw another kind of active, sporty woman, I didn't beat around the bush. We weren't shy to make friends. Like you, you see a woman land and you're like, you, we're going to be friends. <laughs> come, come here. Yeah. 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 My best friend. You don't have a yeah. We're greatly outnumbered. So come here. <laughs> yeah. So awesome. I created this strong bond with so many women that I just thought were so badass. Like they were just so cool. And I loved hearing their stories and the kind of things that they did. And so, yeah, I've, over the years, you know, I mean, I was close to, I had more close guy friends because of the nature of the work, but I would say 
when I met certain women that were also like active and, and had similar hobbies to me, we just bonded like you wouldn't believe. And so when we went through rough times together too, they, I don't know, they're like my angels, right? Like I, we relied on each other. Um, and there was never that, unfortunately, there's sometimes with women, there can be competition or kind of cattiness or anything. There wasn't that. There was just, we really truly supported each other and empowered each other. And I thought, I want to create this at home. I want this empowerment to actually exist, you know, where women are cheering for each other and, and um, working on getting stronger and healthier and achieving their goals and facing fears and doing all these things together. So how can I make this team at home? And that's where I got the idea. <laughs> That's awesome. It is awesome. It is awesome. Yeah. So yeah. it was like it was brewing in your mind over the yeah you know, last few years, but you weren't exactly sure what it was going to look like. And I'm sure it's transformed crazy since you first started it, even though it's only been about a year since I think you launched. Is that accurate? It was a year and a half. It was May. Oh, okay. I, I actually launched it um, May 16th, uh, 2022, but I was still deployed. So I came home. Okay. I worked on it on my time off. So normally I would travel or do different things on my time off. But this time I knew I was coming to an end. Yeah. And I knew I, I knew I was giving my notice soon. So that last time off, I just came home and all I did was work on my business. I edited my workout videos. I uploaded, I think, about 100 videos to YouTube over like three weeks and just started an app and it was, it was hard work. It was a lot of work, but got it all done and then launched it right before I went back overseas to Tunisia. My last tour was Tunisia. Uh, the Libya mission was, we were flying in and out of Libya, but um, yeah. So my very first original angels, I call them, I was actually coaching them from, from Tunisia and Libya. That's amazing. That's cool. Really yeah. cool. Yeah. So obviously, I mean, fitness has obviously been a part of your life for, you know, uh, I'm sure a very, very long time. Um, yeah. Can you take us back into a little bit of your fitness background and how it's evolved? Sure. Um, I actually, I wouldn't say that I was very athletic growing up. Um, I did gymnastics when I was younger and then just your typical, you know, gym class stuff. Yep. That I <laughs> wasn't like, I wouldn't say I was any kind of impressive athlete whatsoever. Um, I, I love gymnastics. That that was it. I was I was really taken with gymnastics, and um, I liked track. Um, but no, I never really joined many of the the big you know teams or anything like that. I always found that um, any sport that I liked involved just me pushing myself to my personal best. So that's what I loved about gymnastics, and when it came to like gym class or track or whatever, um, well track, I, I excelled at a little bit, but I was never really pushy in team sports. Like I don't, I liked taking part, but I wouldn't say I wasn't as competitive with other people, but I'm very competitive with myself and that's continued. My entire life has been like that. So, um, yeah. So from gymnastics, um, trying to think what's next. I think in my twenties, I got into running, a little bit when I was training to apply to the police, I got into running and then, um, yeah, just was preparing for, um, the RCMP and OPP and all the, the fitness tests. Uh, I did, I was a volunteer firefighter, firefighter for a little while too. So, um, 
I trained for firefit and so I, I got into firefit and like police testing but that was it that was the reason I got into fitness was for police and mm -hmm. fire um if it wasn't for that I I'm not sure I think I would be somewhere close to this now like I probably would have discovered it eventually but that's really what started it was those applications yeah cool yeah. yeah I can relate to what you said about like being very competitive mostly just with yourself and enjoying a group sport I do enjoy a group sport but I could care less if the team wins or not I'm only competitive with myself so yeah some people don't, yeah some people don't like to play sports with me because they're like well it seems like you're not trying and I'm like well first of all I'm not super athletic actually uh I'm really not I don't have an athletic family or background I only got into like lifting and running and stuff in I think I was about 25 when I started to take it seriously yeah and I'm now 37 so I mean I've been consistent for a long time now but growing up I mean I liked sports but I wasn't super good at them <laughs> Yeah, I was I was the opposite. I well, not the opposite, but it's probably why we mesh so well because she has that non-competitive aspect and just competitive with herself. But yeah, I'm I, I was quite competitive uh, growing up, but and did all the did all the team sports and but also very competitive with myself, like like both of you. Um, mm -hmm. But I certainly also enjoyed that team atmosphere and being competitive with other teams and other athletes and um, all that. But um, yeah, it's kind of, it's neat to kind of connect and mesh with individuals that are uh, competitive with themselves, but yeah, yeah, they could care less really about um, winning or losing when it comes to some of the small things. And it's, it's yeah. good. It's good. It's a nice change. Mm -hmm. I will <laughs> clarify that I occasionally do try to beat Dave at like, a, if we're doing a workout <laughs> together, but I right. won't tell him that I'm trying, if we're going for time or something, I won't tell him that I'm trying to beat him. <laughs> until she's beat right. me. <laughs> until we're like close, and then he'll clue in and then he can still always beat me. So like, I guess I'm a bit competitive with him. I'm pretty, I don't want to, well, maybe I will say, I think I could probably back squat more than Dave uh, and I'm, also, I, and also deadlift more than Dave yeah. currently. <laughs> And I'll humbly agree with that. I, yeah, it's, it's, <laughs> I the chicken legs that I, uh, you know, leg day does get skipped for me a fair bit too much. So. Every day is leg day. Yeah, right. That's so, awesome. yeah. yeah. I like that. I, I know what you mean. Like, I'm not, I'm not competitive in a team sport way usually, but when I am training, like I am, if somebody's on the treadmill beside me, like we are in a race. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. I not know it, but we're racing. But yeah, exactly. And yeah, I love seeing other people pushing themselves because it fires me up to like, oh, well, they're trying this hard or doing this hard thing. Like, I want to do that yeah, too and yeah. see how good I can do against myself. But I love seeing other people being passionate about mm -hmm. fitness or whatever it is that they're doing. So, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Allie's competitive nature is, I will say, is growing. It's and a little bit more. <laughs> um sort of each thing that we tackle and the ruck marches um those are certainly ones that you know we we get we're a little bit competitive with each other in a fun way a fun-natured way but also you know if i talk about um uh, you know I'm, as you know i'm reservist with the hastings and reserve yeah. prince Edward regiment here in peterborough and so you know as a as a unit we do ruck marches and, and things like that and, and ali will ask me you know oh what kind of weight were they carrying and what kind of time did they do that in and you know I'll tell her and, and she'll instinctively say well i could outruck i think half of those guys i could <laughs> yeah, and if, right. if they're listening to this and they want to do a challenge 
Like, I guess I take back when I say it. I guess I am a little bit competitive. Yeah, definitely. But yeah. also, like, in yeah, a healthy, fun way. I am in the same way that you are, but it's like, it's just with myself. But I love those challenges, which is awesome. Mm -hmm. That's how we met, too, right? Was because you've taken yeah. part in two of my challenges. And then I know you saw Lee, one of my clients, is is uh promoting one for next month so yeah i was gonna ask you about that so it's lee's it's her challenge that she's putting on yeah she's just gonna but she's she's been a client of mine for a while and we still kind of like promote each other and everything oh for sure yeah people so i'll probably take part in that with her as well as much as i can at the same time as soon as i saw that i immediately want to take part in every challenge i just do i'm like especially if it's a good friend putting it on when i saw that and i was like Okay, 100K in November. Yeah, I think I can run that. How can I fit that around hot yoga, Olympic lifting, and jujitsu? Jeez. I'm pretty sure I can do it, but those are my three <laughs> like focuses. And three is a lot for those focuses, but yes, I'm really yeah. enjoying them. So this past month, I did a 30-day challenge. Well, it's 30... 30 day challenge they said for hot yoga, but really it was 30 sessions as long you can com complete it as fast as you want. So I completed 31, um, I think on the, by the 25th, like I was, <laughs> I was like well ahead of it. Um, because I knew I had some traveling coming up and everything. So I was like, oh, I get it I better get it in early, but now I've got Olympic lifting and jujitsu. I just started both and they're kind of <laughs> coinciding. They're going together. It's like, yeah on day five of each of them. And this one break that I've got coming to Ontario next week is my only, you know, week off in while I'm not doing that. So I think, okay, well, maybe I can get in as many kilometers as I can running while I'm there. I've, and then I've, I can still devote time to those things when I'm back, right? Yeah. <laughs> I have a feeling you're going to get 22 kilometers in. Anyway, so. I know, Allie and I were talking about that. We're like, I wonder if that counts. <laughs> I, I don't see why not. Does it? I does Lee's so. challenge have to be running? Is she specifically looking for he, running kilometers? He says it's running, um, but I'll ask her. I'll ask her if, um, I think that when it comes to something like this, this is a really tough challenge, right? We're going to be, you know, rucking with weight on our back and it's 22 mm -hmm. So I think that it makes sense that we could at least count 11. I would yeah. 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 And you can run from the back of the group to the front of the group and back and forth <laughs> if you really want. If you want to keep running, uh, by maybe. all means. <laughs> if he's running, he might run a little bit, right? So we'll see. Yeah. yeah. We'll try to keep up to him. Yeah. My yeah. kind of plan. So the plan is, is that uh, the first nine kilometers, we're going to kind of stay. We're going to be kind of walking because we're going to try to stay as a group because we're going through some of the downtown core Okay. And along the trails, just so nobody gets lost or anything like that. And then once we get to Nichols Oval, it's a one kilometer loop. So once we get there, if people want to pick up the pace a little bit or need to rest or whatever their body needs, they can totally do that. My plan is to walk the 9K and try to finish the, the rest in a run. That's my game plan, personally. Yeah. With the weight, how much weight? With, with weight, my pack is about 20, between 20 and 25 pounds. Okay, because I was trying to think about that too. Um, yeah, I wasn't sure. I'm trying to remember what it said in the, in the email. It can, it can be as as much or little weight as you want. You don't even have to carry a pack if you don't want to. It's, oh. it's, it's open to whoever, right? It's the military members, the serving military members are supposed to have a pack, yes? Okay. Yeah, so the weight, yeah, so for. 
past or current members, uh, we're trying to encourage minimum 35 pound uh, rucksack or backpack, um, whatever you're comfortable with. But in all honesty, we we want to avoid the risk of injury, right? And so yeah. safety is number one. And there's a bigger piece to the the goal, and that is the awareness and uh, attention that we're bringing to uh, wounded warriors and and to yeah. what you know what we're trying to achieve and what we're the message that we're trying to get out there i think that's kind of the bigger picture so yeah. uh i'm i'm so happy that so many people are participating where we have i think we'll have over 50 um on uh, on the morning of which yeah. is amazing um and you know if there's some individuals that are just aren't comfortable with the weight on their back then it's all good you know you're you're out there you're participating you're helping the mm -hmm. cause and uh, spreading the awareness and that's that's the bigger piece in my opinion so yeah yeah definitely yeah, yeah, yeah. but i'm sure we'll get a bit competition going oh well, i'm it sounds I, like we're no going doubt. to yeah at least the four of us <laughs> yeah <laughs> I, I say that for everyone else so not, not for this group right here yeah, yeah. <laughs> we'll be rocking it yeah, yeah. i actually prefer to run with a pack on for yeah i've heard you say that yeah. before so. yeah that's mine. I have, I have, but only, like I've run with a weighted vest sometimes, but it's walk run intervals usually, but it's only a 12 pound vest. So it's still um, 12 pounds. It's still 12 pounds. Yeah. It's, yeah, that's okay. I mean, I feel like I could do more. I have an 18 pound and a 25 pound, but the 25 pound is way too clunky. I'm not running with that on. Yeah. Um, and the 18 pound maybe, but yeah, not much. It's just because it starts to get clunky. And then when you're running, it's like jumping around on you. Yeah. Yes. That's the only reason that. Yeah. And you might not want to travel with those. No, I don't. I've, I've traveled plenty with the 12 pound. I would actually bring that on my tours. Yeah, it went overseas to Africa many times. It's been all over. I think it's been to at least like twenty countries. Um, it was a hassle for sure. It's traveling with a with a vest. People aren't um, usually a fan of you wearing a vest on an airplane either. So I, it's, it's that's a good point, right? Yeah, yeah. I don't like that. So yeah. you know, word to the wise: if anyone's listening to this part, um, get a colorful one. Mine's blue. So if you're going to get a vest and you're going to travel with it, get, get a colorful one because <laughs> yeah. that usually helps. Yeah. <laughs> Big time. Are you bringing it um, for I don't this week? So. I might just fill up my, my pack with a bunch of water. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yeah. We'll see. Yeah, we've got, we've got extra weights. We could pack with some clothes around just to make sure that it's not like mm -hmm. jumping around, but we've got, we've got, stuff. Yeah. yeah, we'll, we'll hook you up. That's right. Awesome. Okay. I think I'd like to aim for, well, at least 20, but we'll see. We'll see yeah. what, what we can find. Like, yeah. Might as well. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah. Amazing. So you are a certified yoga instructor. Ah, uh, yeah. Yes. yeah. I see what you're doing lately, too. That's awesome. Yeah. It's very fun. Uh, actually, it's interesting. Like, I had been kind of thinking about it for on and off for a few years, to be honest with you. And I just kept putting it off and thinking it wasn't the right time and making excuses and whatnot. And then the first time that we interviewed Satch, actually, it got me, I don't know, I can't remember exactly what he said in that interview. But I know that after our interview was done, I went upstairs and looked up the program that I'd been wanting to take and applied for it that night. So Really? Satch got me all. Yeah. I didn't even know that. Yeah, Dave's at work, and I was like, "I'm applying for a yoga teacher program." He's like, oh, "Okay, this is the first I've heard about this." And wow. uh, yeah, so it started uh, 
about a month ago. It's a nine month program and I'm about a okay. month in. Yeah. Um, it is all online, which is amazing. And also you can work at your own pace, which is really good because you can work it around your schedule. And I'm getting into uh, a better habit now of just setting my own deadlines and doing it because I think it'd be really easy to be like, oh, I'll just do that tomorrow or blah, blah, blah to make yeah. excuses because life get, does absolutely get busy and sometimes things do come up. But I'm really trying to be disciplined about getting, you know, each practice in and we have like lives where we practice on the other students and stuff like that. And I'm loving like the teaching aspect. I'm loving the learning for sure, but I'm, we've already had like a chance to practice on the other students mm -hmm. and I love it. Like I'm so surprised by how much I like it already. Awesome. I don't know why it surprised me, but it did. No, I still am natural, natural teacher. But yeah, I really, really am enjoying it. And the goal is to graduate in June with everybody else kind of in my program. So, okay. Yeah, I'm Great. excited. Yeah. You're not rushed. You don't have to graduate by a certain time. You don't have to, but because I am a little bit type A too, like I just kind of yes. like have a goal and just want to keep yeah the momentum going. That's good. Yeah. yeah. Especially when you're learning online, it's, it takes a lot more to, you have to stick to it. You have to be really disciplined to stick to something like that, right? Yeah, so. for sure. Like in a, you know, a perfect world, which doesn't really exist. Like I'd love to go and do one in person as well. Yeah. And maybe that will be in the future. I can plan yeah. for that too, but this is a good kind of start and a good stepping stone. Mm -hmm. I think I've got some other ideas rolling around in the brain. I was going to say, yeah, this is just the beginning to many things that we've got, uh, you know, planned out for, you know, incorporating yoga and, and our rucksacks and our walks and uh, just, awesome. just bringing everyone together. It's uh, yeah. Lots yeah. of plans coming. So. Oh, that's awesome. That's really good. I, I found it. It was amazing to, um, to help overseas as well. I used to teach yoga to some of the crew while we were on, on tours. And then I also taught, um like boot camps in Kandahar so I actually got to teach real boot camps in a real yes. war right actual yeah. soldiers which was like oh this is interesting I didn't know I'd ever do this um but it was something about uh the closeness that we you know it was so good for morale on base whether it was the boot camp or whether it was yoga um both were just like so helpful and, and welcoming over there so it really I found um, having that knowledge and that, I guess, e expertise was a huge asset for me overseas for, for myself and for my own mental health, but also for others. I had no idea how much um, that would help other people on base, like that my fitness knowledge or sharing that with others was going to be so helpful on base. And I wasn't doing it for money. I didn't, it was just on the side, you know, a volunteer, but um it really helps bring a community together and fitness and yoga, of course, with like, whether it's a difficult yoga class, like a vinyasa flow or something, or if it's more of a slow yin or more breathing practices, like both are, are majorly needed in situations like that. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 And just so good for like the mental health of not only yourself, but I'm sure that whole team that you were providing that for. Yeah. Yeah. I think it was, it was really important for all of us. And it's so funny because I think for the longest time, I did not think that I, I knew I had a background in fitness and I got really passionate about competing because I started competing while I was going to school for policing. And that's when that started. And so 
I never expected to continue competing. And then I, and then I ended up doing it, you know, almost the entire time I was deployed, hmm. but it, that wasn't the plan. And it all started really just because of like police and fire and, and pushing myself in that way. But I had no intention of continuing because I always thought being a personal trainer, I just imagined that was something you did in your early 20s. And I went to school for policing, by the way, when I was 27 at the time. Like I went back much later. Right. So I thought, oh, this isn't like a grown up career. Yeah. You don't do this and you can't go anywhere with it. It's not something that you turn into a business and that you scale and that, you know, um, <laughs> totally different than the way it is now. Completely yeah. different. And I didn't think that it was going to impact the way I wanted to. So when I'd go overseas, I thought, oh, I want to work for the UN. I want to make a like positive impact on the world. I want to, you know, like see the whole world and be able to to meet people and help people overseas. And I didn't give it as, as much credit. I didn't think that helping people with their physical health and their mindset was going to be as impactful as it was. And I didn't know that that was my superpower in a way. So it was like when I got to base, that was always what was requested. They were like, no, but you like you help us. This is what we need. And yeah. then I realized how it impacted them positively, like in so many ways, and that it impacts their confidence and, and career moves later on. And, and like starting with your, your mindset and your fitness, I mean, everyone needs that. If you're going through a rough time, um, you know, if you're depressed, if you're down during the pandemic, and we all went through it, you need to take those first steps and get out and walk and do whatever you can and then just keep pushing yourself and growing from there because it actually is it's makes a massive impact like a massive impact now I'm proud now I'm like yeah I'm a coach <laughs> I'm like I'm saving lives <laughs> yeah what you are yeah yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. And I, <laughs> I think people forget or sometimes maybe take for for granted the yeah that other aspect to um fitness and, and remaining, keeping in shape is that you know, mm -hmm. the mental health uh, piece of it. Because I mean, it's, you know, it's easy for, well, not easy, but you know, often people want to um, get in shape for various reasons for, yeah, career development, jobs, like you say, mm -hmm. and then um, even for, you know, weight loss or something like that. And sort of forget that there's, there's another bigger piece to it and that is your mental health so i mean you know and the minute you start to incorporate those walks or fitness or the runs or whatever you're using to get yourself in physical condition um you don't realize what gains that's having on your mental health uh, as yes. well and it goes it goes a long way yeah mm -hmm. so yeah so, so true it's yeah. funny i never i never knew when i first started training i i never occurred to me that this was for my mental health even though i was working like on deployments overseas that never occurred to me and it wasn't until years later that i realized how it was saving me and yet i still struggled with my mental health with with you know there's certain times that were really tough over there but um and then during the pandemic and you know there's lots of stuff like that that we all went through but um i, I never gave it credit i didn't realize that it was my outlet for my mental health it was, I just thought when I first started training, you know, your, your goals start to change. I find in your early twenties, it's more, you know, aesthetic and you just want to look cute in your bikini, but maybe you don't want to get too muscular, at least for women. Like it's changed so many times. And then, uh, and then, yeah, it started to become more about strength and more about skill 
And, and then I started to realize, oh, wow, I think during the pandemic, I realized once it was taken away, oh my gosh, like I, I, I need it. I need it for my mental health. Like I had no idea how reliant I was on it. Yeah, so, absolutely. Yeah. And I, I think, yeah, I mean, that pandemic, uh, you know, it was hard on, on everyone, um, especially maintaining that um, physical health and the mental health. And I think, you know, for us, I know the best thing that we did was create our, our home gym. And, yeah. uh, and, and, you know, we, we were blessed to be able to do that. And I know a lot of people ended up going that route and kind of creating their own home gyms. And, you know, we were lucky to be able to, to have that. But I really feel for, you know, many people that, that weren't able to, you know, kind of create that atmosphere and, and then, you know, and they didn't have that social aspect of the, of the gym and stuff. And it just goes to show what, uh, what even just getting out for a walk, um, you know, can do for, for your mental health and maintaining that, uh, that component. So, um, yeah, I, yeah, I think, uh, that physical aspect went a long way for us. So mm -hmm. yeah. Now, uh, fitness competitions. Now you, <laughs> there's a, have there's a, yeah, I was going to say, yeah, yeah. It's only been, well, it's been, yeah, one, one competition for myself, one competition for Allie, two different time periods. We're, we will most likely do one together, I think in the spring. Um, awesome. yeah, we'll, uh, we'll set a goal of that and, and that'll be fun to, fun to do together. So, yeah. and, and you've got background in that as well. So. Yeah. Yeah. I've, I have done that for the last 11 years. I, I would say I'm officially done now, but I mean, I don't know. I mean, I say that, but you just, you never know. <laughs> never say I never. Really, really love it. Like I, I actually, I really enjoy pushing myself. I think I just lost the love for stage mm -hmm. and training for aesthetics. I just got bored with training for aesthetics um, because I did it for so long. There's nothing wrong with it. It's just that sometimes when you've done something for so long, like you're just, you know, kicking the same bucket, like you just need a new sure. stimulus. Right. Yeah. Wow. And so I think I'm, I'm just testing it out and trying different things right now. So I'm, I'm learning Olympic lifting and jujitsu because I suck at both. So I am welcoming the suck. <laughs> I'm trying awesome. to figure them out. Right. And they humble me. They completely humble me. And I, I like that. I actually really like that. Cause I think it's, when you get so comfortable with whatever your fitness regime is, then that's great. But then what else can you do? And, you know, if you're going over a decade, like I was well over a decade there um, because I was training that way before I was even competing, I competed for 11 years, but you know, I was running or, or training kind of a bodybuilding style before that too. And so now it's like, okay, well, what else is there? Like, what else can I do? I've worked on that for so long and I could always come back to it, but right now I just, yeah, I need something. You're, yeah, you're exploring. Yeah. I think it's amazing that when you were away overseas all the time, you you were training for your shows during all that time. Because yeah. it's not it's not easy to prep for a show. And we did it while we lived in our home. The meal prep and alone. Yeah. yeah. So I just <laughs> think like, holy, yeah, that's just incredible that you maintained all that. Well, thanks. And I, I it's interesting because I think that... That's one of the reasons I don't have the same desire because it's like I relate it to overseas life, which uh, I enjoyed those years, but it's what kept me going. It was, it's what kept me in such a positive uh, mindset and everything overseas gave me focus, a positive focus. 
And I really enjoyed that challenge because people, I am competitive in that way. And when people say like, oh, that can't be done. Like, that's ridiculous. Like you're training with cement. I'm like, yeah, watch me. (laughs) It can be done. It can be done. Yeah. I had a, I have a a very close friend of mine who was over in Afghanistan for a couple of tours and uh, he and a few other guys, they, they built a rock climbing wall uh, while they were, overseas uh so so yeah i mean you know to hear you say well it can't be done you know training with cement well i mean they found yeah pieces of plywood pieces of wood and they built it and they found rock holes and they you know established it so it it can be done if you want really want to have something you know happen or or you can you can make it happen (laughs) yeah yeah and that's what i i think i really liked that part of it and i liked that challenge to prove it could be done, you know, it's like, Oh no, yeah. I, I know I can do this over here. Like, yeah. so I, I really enjoyed that challenge and, and knowing that um, we would always move around. I didn't know for sure where I was going to be. So I didn't always, I didn't want to do it for a few years there where it was really rugged. I was in some pretty rugged bases um, once I left Afghanistan and kind of dangerous. So you couldn't travel much. So it was just home workouts and then that would be with whatever we could find or bring over. And it might be like 10 pound dumbbells or um, like, I think one of the engineers found a tire on the road, but it was too heavy for me, that tire. Like I wish I could, but it was just, it was really heavy. So uh, skipping rope, we had pretty basic stuff. And then um, I think it was when I moved to Uganda, which was one of my favorite bases. And when we were based there, there was a few more options and more crews were coming in and out. So I had a little bit of, uh, and I'd been there a while. So I had, I was comfortable enough to ask crews or pilots, you know, in other bases, like, hey, you're flying into Uganda. Can you bring me a kettlebell? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Things like that. So I found ways to make it work, but I kind of needed a few years overseas till I could ask for those favors until I <laughs> felt comfortable traveling over with all my weights and, and yeah. comfortable that I was going to stay put in a decent base for a while. Um, so that's, I waited a bit, but Uganda was great for that. Still had some days that it was just cement weights, but we made it. <laughs> that's yeah. Awesome. Yeah. That's awesome. We, um, about a year and a half ago, uh, unfortunately we had a, a member in our regiment that, uh, unfortunately passed away. But prior to that, when we, when the pandemic happened, um, and everything shut down, all businesses and, and work pretty much for everyone. Um, there was a, a number of us that ended up being sort of uh, deployed on uh, op laser, which was the, you know, pandemic uh, sort of operation. And we weren't sure what we were going to be involved with, but so yeah. we were sent to uh, Canadian forces uh, base board and we stayed on base for the whole, I don't know, three months or something like that. But um, this particular uh, soldier, he, you know, we packed all our kit for however long we were going to be there and our essentials, most of us packed extra clothes and, you know, things yeah. to occupy us with. And I'll never forget the uh, the bus driver uh, about to load his barrack box into the bottom of the bus. And, you know, he kind of ran over to him and a couple other guys and he ran over to the bus driver. He said, no, 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 don't don't lift that. Like, because he knew because pretty much the only thing he had in that barrack box was a 45 or 50 pound kettlebell. <laughs> that, oh. was his, that was his priority to pack. To bring and, and and we all borrowed it like it was it, right. it constantly got rotation like every day it was in use because uh 
uh, you know, I was, uh, we, we built a gym or we made a gym over whatever we could find sandbags, whatever, but that kettlebell, yeah. it got a lot of use by all the guys. So that's a, that'll make you a star on base. If you oh, it did. Yeah. <laughs> it was great. Yeah. yeah I, I always made that um, a priority as well. So, and thankfully I, once I brought things over, I could usually shift things from one base to the next because some of the bases would fly into like Congo bases would fly into Uganda. Not all of the bases did, but I, if I could guarantee that I was either going to Congo or Uganda, then I could um, send things back and forth usually or I would try. So I had a 25 kettlebell in one base and a 30 in the other base. <laughs> and like, I just, I played the, you know, <laughs> the cards and I was like, all right, I think I'm good. There's not much progressive overload. Cause it's going to be like, these are my options, but right. I think I can do this. So yeah. yeah. Was, and, and nobody minded because it helped others too. Not everybody on base was going to be as into fitness as I might be. But they were always grateful, especially, you know, when there were lockdowns and that kind of stuff. They were like, oh, she drives us nuts with her skipping rope all the time. But they be like Julia because she left the kettlebell. <laughs> That's it, yeah. All right. Uh, <laughs> mm -hmm. That's awesome. Awesome. Yeah. <laughs> Good stuff. Yeah. What, uh, what are your plans next for Army of Angels? I know you've kind of got some things coming up on the horizon. Do you want to share any of your ideas? Sure. Yeah. Um, well, well, we'll have a new group starting soon. So in the new year, I will be having a, a new group that starts together. And I really like doing it that way. Cause even though I, I'm still open to, um, one-on-one -on -one and so people can apply anytime they want. And as long as I have room, I can take them. Um, but there's something so fun about when a bunch of people start at the same time and they go through the process together. So I have a, a four month group coming up and I'm really excited about that because we have like a full curriculum. So, you know, you've been on a couple of our weekly calls as well. Right. So, yeah. Um, so lately for, for the past little while, it's been, you know, certain guest speakers um, and different presentations that I've had. But when I'm doing a group, I have an exact curriculum that I stick to. And so it goes through so that so that clients get a full rounded or well-rounded well um, education on like macros, uh, nutrition. That's how we do our, our nutrition plans on macros, on weightlifting, progressive overload, RPE, mind-muscle connection, um, form and cues, alignment. We'll go into all of these things so that they have at least um, a good amount of knowledge in each. Um, because it is hard when you're coaching people online because I do want to make sure that they understand what they're doing and because they're all at different levels and that their form is good and everything. And not everyone's comfortable sending in videos and they can, mm -hmm. they don't always do it. So just in case they don't, I'm like, okay, well I have to teach them as much as I can on these calls. So we do that. Um, I know you were, I think you were on the Kai York call recently. I was, yes. Yeah. I'm very interested in, in your retreats. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's where it's going. So I think with the next group, uh, not that those that sign up for the group have to come on the retreat or have to shoot or anything like that, but I will strategically plan that my groups at the time that they are in the last month, we will have a retreat around that time, mm -hmm. an optional retreat that they can join in on. And I'd like to open up the retreats to others to join as well. I will have the, the first few spots go to Army of Angels, of course, and then we will open up the rest to anyone else that wants to join us. So yeah, we've got a, a 
hopefully three retreats next year, hopefully two for sure, but hopefully three. So it's either going to be Bali or Thailand for the first one in most likely April, end of March or April, but I've got a meeting this week to find out. Um, and then the last one will be in November in Costa Rica, most likely. Amazing. Yeah. Awesome. Very cool. Yeah. I chose those places too. I mean, actually I took, I had surveys and thankfully, um, people that were interested chose many of these places, but I was really excited with where people were choosing because I want to make this a fitness focused retreat as well, not just a vacation and, mm -hmm. and, um, sightseeing or, or a photo shoot is optional if they want to do that. But I wanted to also train people in person because I coach online, right? So I wanted to have that opportunity. So with Bali, Thailand, and Costa Rica, those are all ideal places where I can get fitness studios or gyms and have access to that kind of stuff. So I want to make it like a little bit of a boot camp too. So we'll have both. That's amazing. Yeah, not the worst places to go to. No. Well, yeah. Sign me up. <laughs> Training, yeah. 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 It's going to be a lot of fun. Yeah, that's yeah. awesome. <laughs> that is awesome. Yeah, yeah. This is uh, this has been a treat. I mean, I, you know, you know, Ali was uh, obviously very excited to you know have you on and talk. But for me personally, like I love you know meeting new people, learning more about their background, uh, where they come from, and then sort of where they're headed. And uh, I just I really love that, as you say, like with through the collective, um, we're just meeting more and more like-minded individuals that are just out to help people and to help people better themselves and just to kind of better our community. And, yeah. uh, and, and so I've thoroughly enjoyed this whole, um, you know, this whole discussion. I feel like, yeah, we could probably talk for, you know, hours and hours. <laughs> I know we will in person, which is great. Yeah, very but, soon. I'm excited. yeah, but this has been, for me personally, this has been, uh, you know, quite enjoyable and I, I yes. really, really appreciate this time. So, yeah. yeah. Me yeah. too. Yeah. yeah, it's been amazing. Can't wait to meet you guys in real life. Yeah, in like a week, less than a week. Less yeah, than it's yeah. gonna be yeah, very cool, very fun. Yeah. I think I yeah. fly in Thursday and such as on Friday or something, but we'll we'll get the car on Friday and, and we'll come up there to see you guys. I guess okay. we start bright and early on Saturday, or I have to. That's right. We do. Yeah, we do. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Do I'll be doing. Saturday. Yeah. I'll be doing a bit of running around Friday evening, getting things uh, set up and organized and then yeah. early Saturday morning as well. But uh, yeah, Sach and I were communicating a little while ago just to kind of go through the itinerary stuff and we'll sort all that out uh, closer to, you know, closer to Friday. Yeah. Right. Awesome. I'm super excited. And what, yeah, that, that reminds me though, uh, another thing that's changed over the years, did you guys used to, meet strangers and invite them into your home for the internet. It was that like, a, it has that <laughs> years. Isn't it funny how the collective, yeah. like I, I want to meet all these people. Like I would love to meet so many of them and Jason and uh, uh, I met Sean and Seb, but there's yeah. still so many people in this group that I'd love to meet. But years ago, I would not talk to people. I'd say even like 2016, not that long ago, yeah. but you know, if somebody was, sliding into your dms you're like oh that's kind of weird yeah and, and now it's, it's like funny just it's normal going. yeah yeah it's funny that you mentioned that yeah i think we're probably on the same page on that one i don't think we typically right. would have you know said like hey come on come we on got over. room for you here yeah, yeah come on over I know. yeah 
I've done the same. I've done the same. I've had some people come and visit and stay and everything too. And it's like, it's really cool how that happens. In fact, I just, I met such a around in person. We met about a year ago at this time in, in Ontario. Oh, so, yeah. but started like on Instagram. Yeah. So it's crazy yeah. how, yeah. how that changes. Right. So yeah. it's neat. It's yeah. Bringing a lot of people together and it's uh it's great. Yeah. Yeah. I look forward to it. I'm really excited to, to meet you guys next week. And thank you so much for um, putting on this incredible event. It's going to be a lot of fun. And I'm, I'm so proud that you guys have gotten up to 50 people. That's, that's awesome involved. So are we. Yeah. And, and I, yeah, I think it is uh, incredible. And I just hope, I mean, it's an annual event, so I just hope that it continues to grow and, and that that awareness and uh, resources continue to grow for all our first responder and veteran community and those on the front lines. And I mean, that's what it's really about. And to have, yeah, 50 people out marching for this purpose and to, to bring that together, bring that awareness out there. It's, it's awesome. And it's going to be awesome to see. And that group photo is going to be great. And then, um, yeah, just the attention that it's going to drive for, for such a, a meaningful, you know, discussion piece that should be happening more frequently. Um, mm -hmm. I, I think it's great. And, and again, it'll just grow year after year. And maybe we'll have a hundred people uh, next year or the year after. And, yeah. Cool. This is the second, right? This is the second annual for Peterborough. It'll be the, I think it's the seventh annual across the country. Um, okay. Again, yeah, it was started in Edmonton, Alberta. And then, um, yeah, now there's, I think there's seven or eight cities across the country that are participating. And then there's a virtual one as well. So um, I just put up on Instagram uh, like an hour ago. We're at, uh, across the country, there are almost $50,000 raised um, towards Wounded Warriors for this. And then, you know, here in our little community of Peterborough, uh, we're, we're just over the $7,000 mark on our way to 10 and then hopefully 15,000. So, yeah. Are there awesome. many people, are most of the people of the 50 taking part, a lot of them from um, Peterborough or even Ontario? Or? Yes, there's, uh, um, I mean, you guys are coming the furthest. That's, yeah, yeah. I don't think you'll have anyone else from British Columbia or out west uh, on the participant list. Majority are local uh, and local within the Kawarthas. Um, so um, some coming from Lindsay and then, yeah, Obimi and sort of surrounding area um, outside of Peterborough. But uh, the bulk will be within the Peterborough community. Um, which is, which is great. And, you know, by all means, um, yeah, anyone is welcome from, from anywhere. So, yeah, yeah. yeah awesome. it's awesome. Awesome. Yeah. Hopefully yeah. we'll be, we'll be back for many. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Super. That'd be amazing. Yeah. yeah. And we have plans to come out to the West coast in July. End of July. August. Looks like, yeah. For End our honeymoon, we're going to come out mm -hmm. and visit everybody and have a big adventure because Dave has never seen the mountains. I've never been at West. Yeah. Oh, you've got to. Yeah. It's, yeah. I know. Yeah. It ruins you, though, because then you don't want to go home, don't you? That's what I told them. That's <laughs> and, and given my uh, <laughs> given my background with, you know, yeah. mountain biking and snowboarding and climbing. all the things that the mountains involve, uh, yeah. rock climbing, yeah, I, I, yeah, it's going to be hard to leave. I can already, I can already it's, foresee it's it. It's a lot of fun. And since you're coming in July, was that because for the Operation Pegasus Jump? Is that the plan? Maybe. It'll be work 
schedule dependent on my uh, end of things. Um, yeah. So, so far, like in my work, naturally, I have a 10 day break at the end of July. Um, you know, but who knows that that could change and there may be some vacation time open up. And so it may be earlier in July, which would fall on Operation Pegasus, which is, uh, yeah, awesome. we're kind of hoping for that. Yeah, but we'll see. We're, yeah, fingers crossed, but we're not, we don't know. And if not this year, then the following year, because it's, I like, Dave has jumped out of a plane one time before. Yeah. I never have. And I have said in the past, I'll never do that. That's crazy. And now I'm, this year, I'm like, Dave, I've been thinking about this Operation Pegasus jump. It sounds pretty cool. Do you want to go? And he's like, uh, yeah. So now, yeah, because it just seems like such an like an amazing thing. And I'm like, God, you could learn so much about yourself by doing that. I'm just, yeah. yeah. I love it. I, I started mine in uh, when I was 35. I, my first jump was in Dubai. That was tandem. And then uh, I thought that was it. I thought it was like a, a one-time thing. And I was like, oh, I'll go to Dubai and get the like epic shot right yeah i'm never gonna do this again like this is a one-time thing uh no a couple months later i was signed up and i was doing my my license so oh wow <laughs> that's amazing yeah, wow. yeah. I did sorry. A, sorry yeah are you gonna be there are you going this year to uh pegasus jump hopefully i'd yeah. like to because you know yeah. i've been able to last uh, this past year but yeah i would like to um but yeah, we'll, we'll see. I'll try to, I'll try to plan for it. Cause I definitely miss it, but I'd also just like to meet everybody in person. So it's more than just the jumping. It's more yeah. of a community. Um, mm -hmm. But yeah, we'll see what happens. So. Yeah, we hope to see you there. Yeah. Hopefully. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay. All right. Yeah. Well, we're... I'm sorry. <laughs> it's going so late. <laughs> no, that's okay. No, it's been a great chat, but yeah, I think yes. we could wrap it up because we're over the hour point. I know. I can um, talk to all day but we we will have that soon <laughs> so. we will yes yes we will for sure so yeah we'll wrap it up yeah yeah we've been um so in the past or for the past little while we've been ending sort of with inspirational quotes and things like that and then ali and i decided we're going to take a different approach and we're kind of make it uh, sort of fun and lighthearted at the end of our episode so now we're opting to uh kind of a give a, a lighthearted story of um you know comical things that happen in our day-to-day -day <laughs> lives and stuff so tonight you get to hear about um the neighborhood security watch that uh myself and my crime fighting partner um josh our little seven-year-old uh, oh. that we that we have yeah so <laughs> so you know we have we have newly installed uh, security cameras um you know around the house and and for outside and stuff like that but josh in the summertime josh has a little uh, battery operated jeep mm -hmm. that uh you know he travels up and down the sidewalk with and his favorite thing to wear is his special ops costume that he wears. It's a Halloween costume, but he wears it everywhere. He, yeah. he would wear it every day if he could. So, so he gets in his, uh, in his little Jeep with his special ops uh, costume on and we drive around the corner and we have a pretty busy street, busy, busy road. And uh, he sets up our neighborhood speed trap actually for us. So he's got he's got a little microphone on the Jeep, and uh, I've got photos and some videos and stuff of him. But cars will be coming down the street, and he will pull the mic out and start yelling at them, <laughs> telling them to slow yeah, down. Yeah, slow down, slow down. It's <laughs> it's uh, it's amazing. So you know, be warned if you guys are uh, driving in our neighborhood, uh, keep yeah. it 
keep it under 50 because oh, yeah. uh, we'll, we'll, we'll be careful <laughs> yeah josh, josh, josh will be looking for you yeah you're gonna get to meet him so yeah 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 he's wild yeah yeah so we thought we'd share that little story with you but, uh, yeah yeah but we really look forward to having you guys uh here in person uh coming up on the weekend and uh once again really appreciate the time spent uh, on this episode and sharing uh sort of your experiences and your story and your background and everything with us and, and what army of angels is all about and we look forward to you know chatting more and just continuing this relationships same, yeah. me too. Well, thank yeah. you so much. Awesome. All right. Yeah. Thanks, Julia. Thanks, Julia. Talk soon. Bye. Bye.